Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is episode number 62. Joining me in the studio, as always, is my producer and co-host, Anne. Hi, Anne. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? All right. Not too bad. It is pouring rain outside. Yeah, it was It was pretty rough walking over. I did a cooking event with Le Creuset about a year ago, and they had me out to their new store and gave me, as a thank you for coming to show off their new crepe pan, like I did like a cooking demo and gave away crepes, right. and they gave me a Le Creuset branded umbrella, and I loved it. And it was the lid of a Le Creuset pot, and it was bright yellow, and it was super cheerful. Very cute. I parked my car this morning at the park and ride. <laughs> I got... I got out. I got my umbrella. I made it kind of across the parking lot. And then like a cartoon, the wind just like ripped the fabric and all of the little springs went like, boink, 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 boink. And it just went whoosh, away. forever. As I stood there, I felt like a cartoon character, like suddenly drenched. And now without my favorite umbrella. I'm so sorry. I'm very disappointed. It's- I'm... Yes, I'm also disappointed in its construction. I would think that, you know, the... Yeah, like all its yellow happiness was all baloney. Nope, it, was all, yep, it was all... It was all... Superficial. It was all superficial. (laughs) So uh, in interesting food news, the Girl Scouts of America are taking the sale of Girl Scout cookies online to make access to them easier. And I'm curious to talk about this. I heard about it on um, my my second favorite, second to Sharp and Hot, my favorite podcast uh, called TBTL, (laughs) just hosted by Luke Burbank and Andrew Walsh. They were talking about it because... They had a similar experience to me, which is when you're a kid and you have to do a fundraiser and it's kind of this time of year where they're selling, you know, popcorn or wrapping paper. There's such a learning experience for little kids to make eye contact with an adult and ask them for money. And I feel like... (laughs) One way to put it. It's terrifying. And, you know, there were kids whose parents worked... For us, it was... I I was a Girl Scout, but I sold a lot of, like, boxes of chocolate bars. Yeah. World's finest. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, like, weird Willy Wonka, like, no-brand chocolate crackle bars. And there were kids whose parents worked in offices, and they would bring the box to the office, and then the kid would just show up with a check. Cheating. And it seemed so... At the time, (laughs) I was like, you lucky bastard. My parents did not work in offices, and what my father usually did was just wrote me a check for the total of the box, and then we could just eat the box of chocolate. But Mm. I also felt like that was a little bit cheating. I don't want to call you out. (laughs) Dicey at best. Like, the Girl Scout cookies in particular, like, you have to, like, make eye contact with people and say, like, do you want to buy some cookies yeah i feel like we're, we're kind of like steering away from being actual humans with each other and i think that i mean i'm into it i'm like ready to find a box of samoas whenever i need it or some thin mints <laughs> you know but i think yeah i mean my father would have been like absolutely not you're going let's go down the block you know what i mean like there was definitely no uh we were not going to be able to sell it you know at the office or right. online i think he still would make me so their argument, I think, is that the world is changing and now we are in a digital environment and people do so much online and that the life skill of being able to operate a business online is just as valuable as operating one in person. What do you think? 
I think, sure. Okay, it's valuable, but I am definitely... I think it should be in conjunction with if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route because I think I think we're losing a lot of that like just that human interaction just like being able to I don't know you know like be able to talk to talk to your neighbor down the block know who they are mm-hmm. I mean if you're worried about your kids going door to door go with them but I still think that interaction is cool I completely agree and I wonder if it makes me like sound like a real old person where I'm like those kids are <laughs> like they're coming into the world understanding computers they don't need to be taught Look and I that. think maybe that's not entirely fair like maybe they do need to be taught like the digital marketplace and what's appropriate and what's not and apparently their identity is completely hidden like no one knows which kid it is so they can't have like you know, trolls and predators attacking them. But, but then, you know what? But then it becomes so much more business transaction rather than, like, community builder. And I think, sure, it's important to, like, learn this business savvy, you know, it's digital. Like but several billion dollar industry, these mm-hmm. Girl Scout cookies. I mean, this is not small potatoes when you add it all up. And it's like, I mean, there's a perceived scarcity, which was something that they talked about on TBT. I was running on the treadmill this morning as I was listening to the show and <laughs> like, oh God, I want to go. I have the kill for a Samoa right now. Um, but this perceived scarcity that you can't get Girl Scout cookies all the time. Yeah. I mean, and I think so, that probably makes them a lot, taste a lot better. Right. I mean, and I have me. to say, I am, what, do you have a favorite Girl Scout cookie flavor? I think it would probably be a Samoa, no. a Thin Mint, Tag Along, Mountain. I like, I like a variety. So you like, like the like peanut butter. Off air, we were talking about, uh, so James had a blood test Tuesday of last week, mm-hmm. and we are going to find out uh, in anywhere from today to three or four, it's seven to ten days. And I'm like, on the edge of my seat, finding out exactly which nuts he is allergic to, because they're itemizing through this blood that they've drawn wow. what he can and cannot eat. And terrifying. So it's terrifying. And it's holiday baking season. I'm like, oh, I'll make fruitcake. Oh, no, no you won't. Oh, I'll make it. Oh, I can't do that. My beloved sister-in-law sent me a bag of um, pecans not pecans from Alabama <laughs> I've been corrected <laughs> down south you would be very you'd be corrected I'm sure that I would be. and so now I have this beautiful pound of shiny fresh American glistening mm. pecans that I I am not even opening well just you know not opening. and not until I get the results of this test so we shall see we shall see the turn our life is going to take in the nut kingdom I wish you luck. Thank you. Really good luck you. I got a listener question, and uh, I thought we could talk about it for a second. Um, a listener asked, she was cleaning out her refrigerator, and okay. she wanted to know what of the condiments are staples, and what should be thrown away, and how long can you keep things? And so hmm. um, I will say that my one of my very, very dear friends, Annika, helped me move when I was pregnant, because I was very, very pregnant when we moved, and she was in charge of moving our refrigerator. And with every cooler that she brought into the house, she yelled at me for the number of condiments that my husband and I hoard. (laughs) And we're pretty famous for finding things that we love and then like not using the final layer across the bottom because we just don't want like I don't want it to be done and then it's going to be gone. And then what? So I end up with like half eaten jars of black olive tapenade from a vacation four years ago. So and never to throw them out. And I never throw them out as a keepsake. But I have now in our new house, we have a very compact refrigerator. It's, okay. not, it's not a beer fridge, but it's, it is small. And so it's forced us to be much more diligent about, like, I've, I've saved pickle brines, like pickle brines that I've made that I try, I want to recreate that mm-hmm. flavor. I've stopped doing that. I've decided, like, each, each pickle is going to be its own You're special growing. snowflake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what are your must-have, uh, must-have on-hand condiments? Um, mustard girl. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of mustard, which I feel like lasts a And you have a variety of mustards? 
Yeah, I mean, generally of the spicy variation. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have a bottle of yellow French's in your refrigerator no. right now? Okay. No. Goldens, though. Or okay. Goldens. Is it Goldens <laughs> or Goldens? I think Goldens. Sure. And the Kashiashko mustard. Yeah. You, know, you mm-hmm. got to represent yep. that With one's With the white great. cap, the screw top. That it's one? a blue cap. Oh, okay. It's a blue cap. But, <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> The girl knows her mustards. <laughs> it's, I mean, I think that, but that's it. I mean, that's all I got. We're pretty much mustard. I like a lot, a copious amount of mustard. Interesting. You're, I'm horseradish. Yeah. I, I, like I could eat horseradish straight out of the jar. Yeah. I bought a horseradish compound butter at Whole Foods yesterday that I could very, very easily have make, made myself. But it was only $1.99. Mm. And I was like, oh. I feel like the, the the condiments get harder and harder to buy, though, like as you start reading labels, because you're like, oh, this is great. I'm totally going to It's going to be awesome. And you turn it around, and it's like, you know, preservative 479, mm-hmm. yellow 2. You know, and it's just like, it's so, you start to just kind of like dwindle them down right. to the bare essentials. Or at least I, uh, Sriracha is a must-have in our house. Okay. And... I have to remind people it is made in California by an American company. It is not an Asian ingredient. I mean, you know, it's a hot sauce based on like Asian flavors, but it is very, and I know this because the uh, factory in California was shut down briefly because people were, neighbors of the factory were complaining of being pepper sprayed out of their houses. So there was a, uh, a bit of sriracha hoarding happening in our house just in case. So I have some frozen sriracha in case there's an apocalypse. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel like sriracha mustard uh, ketchup. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel I like mean, ketchup given. you gotta have. We have Heinz ketchup and we also have homemade ketchup that my husband made with jars of tomato sauce that I canned last summer. Wow. And then we never got to eating. Over And then the new tomatoes were coming in and my husband was like, we should make tomato sauce. I'm like, there are eight quarts <laughs> that like, I will not. sweated away <laughs> over in August. And so he went, he was like, I'm going to make ketchup. And I, I was... Not, I mean, you know, you're not supposed to keep these things for too long. And right. I was like, don't make us go blind. He's like, I won't. <laughs> so we brought him upstairs, put him in a, we put him in the slow cooker and just cooked it down with some like raisins and brown sugar and maple syrup. Raisins. It's awesome. It's fascinating. Oh, it was so good. I've never so made good. my own ketchup. So I when like I worked at the green table in New York City, we made our own ketchup with it and it had raisins and it was borderline chutney. It was, it is, it still is very, very delicious. Um, mayonnaise. Yeah, sure. Um, that's a hard one. That, oh, you know what we started using a lot of? The the, veganese, the veganese? Oh, no. I know. I know you hate this kind of stuff. But we just <laughs> were crunchy out it's there. It's a food and, and analog. I hate food analogs. <laughs> okay, but... Okay, what what does the ingredient label on that thing look like? So, okay. <laughs> un- another full disclosure. We get the organic one. Okay. So that we try to at least... But it's know, just like, like canola oil, right? No, I think it's... Um, I want to say it's... It's definitely the good kind of pressed. So, what is that? The one that the one that doesn't make the you cold dead. Pressed? Yeah. Of what? Of um, an olive? Safflower? Safflower? Okay. I want to say I'm going to bring it in next week. Okay, bring I'm it turning in. red, you guys. I don't know what the ingredients are. The guys are looking at me. The guys are- yeah, you know, why don't we bring in our guest? Because I see you nodding along to our condiment conversation. Joining us in the studio are Thomas Rice and Kurt Gazowski. Gazowski of Tet Chicago, who are have opened a charcuterie, sort of charcuterie-focused restaurant, and they are in New York City, and we are having them here on the air. And I was going to wait until after the break, but I feel like as soon as we started talking mustard, you guys are like, oh, I want to jump in. <laughs> Welcome to Sharp and Hot. You said Hello. condiments, and <laughs> we started agreeing with you. Wet food, excellent. <laughs> okay, so what are the condiments that you must have in your refrigerators? Jardinier. Any, any form of it. What uh, is Jardinier? Jardinier. I don't know. Oh, it's like my the, God. 
Italian spicy peppers and cauliflower and bell peppers. Oh, all right, all right. If it's a Chicago thing, yeah. God bless Chicago, but <laughs> it is on everything. Is it like a? It's like fresh and brightly colored still, right? Like pickled, not like yeah. a Branston pickle where it's brown and right. been cooked down. And okay, so it's pickled and like put in olive oil, sport peppers maybe. Carrots, sometimes. cauliflower. Yeah. Sure. See, my oh, gosh, so yeah, and the, the, the carrots cut on the bias with the ridges with the mm-hmm. ridge cut. Okay, I've just never heard it called jardinier <laughs> before. <laughs> They're the, walking out. Then you're like, <laughs> what am I doing? This is over. This is. You said the show was legit. They don't know what they're talking. Well, about. you got to get the mufalata mix and mix it together. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I'm with you on that. One jar isn't enough. You got to mix it. I had my first mufalata in New Orleans two New Year's Eves ago on a trip that. I thought I was going to. I decided I could never live there because I would be dead inside a year. Like <laughs> either from over from overconsumption of some sort. And I was like, I don't think I could live here. But now I pine to go back. That city is it gets into you and doesn't let go. Okay, what else? Um, what were we, so ketchup, ketchup, ketchup. Yes, okay. only on fries though. Ketchup. I don't know. If you mix sriracha with it, you can yeah, have it. that mm-hmm. works. Interesting. Now you've got kids. Yes. Do your ki- Do you let your kids have ketchup? No. Surprisingly, he does not like ketchup. So you have a son. He doesn't like mustard. We have a son. What's his name? <clears throat> Excuse me, Thomas. How Thomas old? Junior. Five. How old is he? He's five. Okay, yes. so he, he does not like ketchup. Doesn't like ketchup. Wow. Doesn't God do mustard. Him. No mayonnaise. No condiments at all. None. All right. None. Were you so. prepared for this? Not really. See, and I can if I bury something in mayo and ketchup, <laughs> James lead it. Like, no mm. questions asked. So, <laughs> not so lucky. All right. So, but on the other hand, he won't be the kid that has to put ketchup on like his fried eggs, which I or if, like ketchup on eggs. Eggs on ketchup. Grosses me. My husband loves it. I'm like, Whoa. I could. I don't. I'm not, not into bad. that. How long do you... Oh, okay, wait. So then other outliers. So we have mustard, ketchup, mayonnaise, veganaise, which I'm not letting, know, I'm not know, letting this go. Know, we'll, we'll circle back next week. We'll have an intervention. My Italian girlfriend has... She's like the one who would like hang out. She'd be like, yeah, and then they eat, you know, they eat like the stuff like out of the can. What do we call it? What do you guys call it? Jardinier? Jardinier. Okay, yeah. so she's eating that, and she's like pulling it out with a fork and just like sitting at the table. I'm not as cool. Like, I, I have an Irish mom. You know, I mean, I'm trying. I'm venturing out with my mustard, but... <laughs> we'll talk intervention next week. How about um, Worcestershire sauce? Sure. Yeah. If I have it like, around. I mean, is it a must-have in your... So as no. someone... So as the listener question is, what do I have to have in my refrigerator? Would you say Worcestershire oh, we're is a, I think Worcestershire yeah. is something no? I, okay. I buy because I have it for a recipe I want to make once, and then it's just there because mm-hmm. I forgot I had it. And I will use it if it's there, but... A1 steak sauce? I'm just going through what's in my refrigerator. Not not that they're in high rotation, but I know A1's there's a, a definite. That's oh, yeah. a definite Absolutely. for you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I like naked food a little bit better. Like, I like food. I'm like a salt, pepper. And throw Maybe yeah. throw a little mustard or horseradish, but that's... I like... We have naked a, food. I like naked food with hot sauce on it. We probably have 15 different Frank's. hot sauces. Just like Frank's. straight up Frank's. And I just noticed on the Frank's bottle, their new marketing campaign, there's a little red splotch, like somebody's like splooched the hot sauce onto a plate, and it says, it's supposed to say, I put that shit on everything, yeah. but instead of the asteroid, it's the little red splooch. And I was like, that's brilliant. I wish I thought of that. What a great campaign. So I love them even more. But no, we um, I mail order from a... St. John is with the place where I want to go when I die. Like it's just okay. my favorite place in the entire world. It's a national park in the middle of the Caribbean. You can't get there by airplane. You can't get there by cruise ship. You have to like be committed to wanting to go there. So it 
narrows down the field of who goes, and it's a lot of crunchy hippies. <laughs> And who want to sleep no, in a tent know. in a national park. But on that <laughs> island, someone um, makes a hot sauce called Blind Betty, and you can buy it in all the gift shops. It's spectacularly delicious. They make mango chutney that I could eat out of the jar. And you know it's made by someone like probably in an, uncer- in an uncertified kitchen because it varies so greatly from batch to batch, but it's always delicious. And when you mail order it, they send you the product with a note and an invoice and say, just send us, you know. Please send a check when you receive this. And it's wow. like you don't pay a friend. There's humans no being humans. Right, exactly. That's not that Girl Scout. Uh, that, right, nonsense. exactly. <laughs> Online shopping at its like and still maintaining a sense of community okay. that makes me okay. love them even more. And so they make a whole variety of stuff, but their original hot sauce and their mango chutney is just. I mean, I could eat that on everything. I could put that shit. Look, on I see it on everything. <laughs> <laughs> So, in terms of how long one keeps their condiments, I mean, there are certainly things in the backpack there that I, I can't identify. I don't even I mean, think anyone even pays attention to the expiration dates. No, I, I don't. No, yeah, I definitely have stuff that should not be consumed, <laughs> but it's consumed. Like what? What's the most? Um, Probably that French's yellow mustard you mentioned earlier. <laughs> I pretty much have a jar of that since like '95. <laughs> Every once in a while, yeah. you just a need bit. half a teaspoon. There's enough stabilizers in those things; they don't go anywhere. <laughs> and it's like all vinegar, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a stable environment. If they do go bad. You learn your lesson. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to get a new bottle. I learned that maple syrup, which I will put in the condiment category, okay, will mold. And I didn't know that be- until I had a really big like restaurant <laughs> supply store bottle and then I poured the remainder out into a mason jar and then left the mason jar on the counter for a couple of days because maple syrup doesn't go bad and then I came in and the ki- into the kitchen sure enough there was like a layer of mold on it Gross. and that made me wonder what how many of moldy maple syrups I've had out of those restaurant jugs that are not that are opaque so that was my learning <laughs> experience I and think was you a just hard taught mind. me something because I've been serving my little guy out of an maple opaque syrup well just <laughs> If he, right. well, I thought it was like set like, from the tree or something. Like, oh, that's still good. You're good, buddy. Go ahead. It didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen immediately. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. I can't breathe. Dad, it kind of hurts. Do you have oh, an EpiPen yeah. in the house? Just pouring it on there. You have a little more. Well, your dad, Kurt, right, said that you, you're not allowed to throw anything away. So do you think you would have been subject to, like, the moldy maple syrup? I probably had it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, it was a staple. What are you talking about? See, in our if the old house. smell test smells fine, eat it. <laughs> it's a little slimy. Eat it. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Tongue goes numb for a little bit. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Rub but some dirt on test. it. See, my dad is a big fan of saying, oh, it's bad when you buy it. Like cheese. Like the cheese is moldy. He's like, I oh, just cut that part off. It's bad when you buy it. Yeah, my brother said that a lot. <laughs> oh, whereas my mother, if there was a moldy blueberry in a quart of blueberries, all of them had to get thrown away. We, like, we, and then I started working in restaurants Blasting. and realized that does that in restaurants you just throw away the moldy mm-hmm. one and the one that the moldy one was touching and then you serve it and that was i um, i i could i just heard some listeners jaws open i just heard some jaws drop <laughs> on the other side of the air <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain okay uh so speaking of which let's take a quick break here and then um i'd like you guys to talk about tet chicago and yeah. tell everybody where why they should go and how wonderful you are and if they can't what they can do to get some of your products in their home sounds good
Since 2001, Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods guaranteed to produce the very best-tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, geese, and of course, heritage turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. Welcome back to Sharp and Hot, everybody. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, joining you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is our holiday fundraiser, and if you have not taken a minute to go to heritageradionetwork.org and become a member, if you would do do so, we would really, really appreciate it. You'll get to have a new tote bag. I have mine. I became a member last week. I got my new tote bag. It has pizza slices on it and the Heritage Radio uh, logo. And when I walk around New York City with it, people point out, oh, I love Heritage Radio Network. And so you really get to be part of a cool tribe and family of weirdos. And in addition to becoming uh, a regular, not regular, an amazing member, we are also in the process of auctioning off some one-of-a-kind culinary experiences, experiences with amazing New York City food luminaries. So five lucky people are going to win these Thing these, I, I'm just going to tell you what they are because I, I'm having a hard time describing them. Number one, you can be a guest on Cooking Issues with Dave Arnold and enjoy lunch at Roberta's and drinks at Booker and Dax. You can have a private pizza making class for two at Roberta's with pizzas are Anthony Falco right here in Brooklyn, New York. You can go to La Bernadette in New York City and trail Justo Thomas in the kitchen and he will teach you how to butcher a fish. You can create your own concrete, which is a Shake Shack. Custard base with Shake Shack's uh, own uh, chef over there. And then have a private Chinese New Year-inspired feast with Chef David Waltuck of Elan and Chanterelle in your New York City home. You can go to CharityBuzz.com, enter Heritage Radio Network in the top left corner, and you can bid. These make awesome Christmas Christmas experiences for people who have everything. I'm really big in giving experiential gifts around the holidays. Everybody's got enough stuff. I have enough stuff. So I like putting together things for people to do. If you've got some spare cash, you can get in on the auction, which is just a super fun thing to participate if you have a gambling streak in you, which I do. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, charitybuzz.com, and you support Heritage Radio Network. So back to our guests. We have in the studio Thomas Rice and Kurt Gazowski of Tet Chicago. Welcome to Sharp and Hot. Tell us all about your restaurant. Yeah. Uh, it is a charcuterie-based restaurant. In Chicago on Randolph Row. So for um, New Yorkers or people not in Chicago, <coughs> what is Randolph Row? Is that a is it akin to Bushwick or is it akin to Soho? Is it Um I don't know, is that our Soho of New York? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Soho it's there. a it's a collection of Re, Re, Randolph Street is basically where all the restaurants, all the cool new restaurants are opening up. It's in the West Loop area of Chicago, West Loop neighborhood. And it's just seen a boom. Some two, three dozen restaurants have opened up in the past the tech business. Twelve months tech businesses are moving in. Google are putting their Chicago headquarters there. So there's just a lot of activity. And now retail and homes and families and things like that are starting to, you know, 
develop as well. So, so you opened Tet in 2014. We opened Tet in April of 2014, and uh, I guess it's our, our little dream. You can say that uh, definitely has been uh, challenging, as all the chefs and restaurant owners know that it's never ends, never <laughs> ends. So, no, it's a beginning point. It is a dream. It's a oh. one. So, how did you come together? Uh, have you been friends for a long time? Did you find each other through this process? We actually met on Match.com. <laughs> <laughs> I was there to buy Girl Scouts for the years. Ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because your, your kid is half Filipino, and every time me and you're hanging out, I'm like, it was people that got out of the yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, so, so you guys were buddies for a long time? Or? Yes. We've known, we've known each other since about like 2002, 2003. Uh, we worked together cool. on the line. The same, kind of, same station thing. You do that for a year and a half with anybody. You kind of become friends whether you like it or not. But Quite intimate, one would say. So we kind of yeah. found out we were from the same neighborhood, rivaling kind of cities in, in, in high school. So uh, it was just an, an immediate bond, you know, that the food kind of. Always had good conversations and good fun on the line, so it was, you know, it was instant. Yeah, we've kept in touch, and this just developed through us actually working on a couple different projects that uh, didn't seem to make it, obviously. And we we paired together with a similar idea, and we came, took this concept because we didn't feel <clears throat> it was really being done much justice in Chicago that we could do it, you know, especially with the tradition of sausages and, and the meat industry yeah. and all that stuff. Just charcuterie as a whole. It's a lot more than just what you think of Italian salumis or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you brought us some to sample here. So tell us yeah. what we have. So we have in front of you, we have our fromage de tete. That's the, oh, that's, that's this the, one? Right. That's this one. That's okay. the head cheese terrine. Mm-hmm. We have the Thuringer, which is hand cut, uh, German style, and the Rosette de Leon. I think that's the That's a traditional um, soissons from oh. Lyon, black pepper, garlic, red wine. And is there anything else in there? Uh, I think there's this one down here. That's the oh. Thuringer. Oh, that so cool. that might okay. be the chorizo on the end. And oh, yeah, one. and the chorizo. Correct. Which is, everyone knows what chorizo is. So. All pork? All pork. So, um, Kurt, you mentioned that your father never threw anything away. And I was wondering if you think, did that influence you charcuterie is usually made not with the prime cuts of meat right the prime cuts go to be steak go to be you know chops or whatever and then you take the leftovers and you make these beautiful sausages so was that somehow like influenced in the back of your head were you thinking that yeah i don't know i I can't say that for sure uh i think the biggest part that that drew me to any of this is just the amount of refinement that goes into it and the technique Mm. tradition you know there's, there's a culture in it so what's the process of making any one of these? I know you have to keep everything super cold, right, when you grind the meat. Why is that? Well, you don't want, you don't want any of the meat to go over a certain temperature, obviously. Uh, but a lot of it is for the fat. It'll smear. Mm. And if the fat smears in, in any of the sausages or pâtés, you're going to have like a gritty, broken kind of texture. So this is almost like a meat emulsion, right? <laughs> and then... Um, so then you put it into casings. Are you using natural casings? We use natural casings. Some and are soaked with white wine. Some are smoked, or sorry, soaked with white wine and, and red wine. The chorizo is smoked, soaked with red wine. 
Before you fill them? Before we fill them. Okay. Just helps with the fermentation on the outside and just a little extra sour notes and things like that. So talk to me about the process of fermenting meat. I think a lot of people think of fermentation. They think of kimchi or sauerkraut. When you apply it to meat, it suddenly becomes a little scarier, but everyone's everyone's eating fermented meat all the time. So what what's actually happening? There is a lot going on, actually. Uh, it's very similar, the same ideas, uh, but it's a buildup of lactic acid and water activity. Uh, those two things in... in in combination have a lot to do whether your sausage is going to succeed or or fail because in essence you want the good bacteria to grow quicker than the bad can so when that water activity shrinks and like think of a, a lake shrinking to a small puddle there's a lot more going on in a concentrated area that the, there's more good so how long are you aging each of these for in order for that process to comp- you know complete uh, it depends on the size of the formats that we make. Um, we definitely started with smaller format sausages, so they can, you know, have those can be completed anywhere from four to eight weeks. And the larger format format sausages, more traditional to you know the European countries, they can take anywhere from twelve up to thirty six, forty two weeks, two years. I mean, we just pulled our first batch of sausages out that we put in March. Was it? Yeah, March. Before the restaurant opened up, we hung a bunch of stuff, and we just pulled them from our curing room a week wow. ago. So, What temperature is the curing room at? We keep it between f- 55 and 65 degrees. So cool. Right. Chilly. Right. So one of my uh, students this week asked me about aspic and whether or not that was a relic of the 40s, and she didn't really know what it was or how it's worked. And you guys said you're calling it as a trend for 2015. <clears throat> yeah, I think it yeah, – absolutely. I mean, aspic's been around even – in the new modern cuisine, you see a lot of jellies and stuff like that set with agar and gel and whatever else. But in the charcuterie, it's you have to have it mm-hmm. um, for for multiple reasons. Uh, one, it just seals it, preserves it um, from the terrine aspect, and reintroduces that flavor and the moisture content that you want in a, in a pate. And from the head cheese, obviously, you bind everything with the stock that is cooked with the pig heads. Anything like the ham hocks and things like that as well. Aspic is... You know, it's a substantial part of terrine and pate work. So at the restaurant, we make terrines in these big white molds, um, cook them, call fat on top, they're baked, and then we put some aspic on top, so mm. it's, it's sealed. So I think that's what he's talking right. about a little bit. So if people can't get to Chicago in the immediate future, but they want to try your pate, you have launched an online store, <clears> correct? <throat> so tell that's people what they can, where they can find it and what they can find. Well, right now, they can find uh, gift cards for the <laughs> holiday season. Stocking stuff for Santa. Mm, Good stocking delicious. stuffer. Uh, <laughs> uh, being from Chicago, they can find a Matt Forte package as well. Uh, we paired with his charity. Uh, you get like a cooler, a koozie. Who's uh, Matt Forte? He's a running back for the Chicago Bears. Oh, see, I, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, um, and you weren't here yet, uh, there's a picture going around the internet of LeBron James with yeah, right. the <laughs> prince and princess, or I guess the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, Prince William and Catherine are okay. in New York City. And there's a picture of them standing next to LeBron James, and I had to clarify with sport-liking people that LeBron James is, in fact, as tall as I think he is, because in the photograph... Will and Kate are quite tall. So we just, we illustrated earlier that I am not up on my names of sport 
basketball players, football, right? <laughs> oh, the, bears, the Bears aren't very good, so do, you don't need enough of Matt Forte as anyway. I, I mean, I, enjoy, I, I will watch a football game. I, I understand the rules. I like to watch the game. I don't know anyone's name, and it's really an excuse to eat like wings and barbecue nachos. I don't know. All I think of that's is... Good. That's good. <laughs> that's a good enough reason. The Bears is just like George Went to me, like saying it. Like, or bears. like John Hayes. Bears. Yeah, bears. like whatever. That's, that's, that's my extent of that. So you can go on to techchicago.com. Yes. And you'll get this Max... Matt Forte. Matt Forte <laughs> package. It's a tailgating package. Yeah. All right, maybe. cool. And for, all, it's all for the kids for charity, yeah. so it's perfect. I, I'm so sorry. I read that all all of your meat also is sourced. It's local to mm-hmm. Chicago. Right. If you are a Chicago, Michigan right? and Illinois right yeah. now, we have some, some good farmers. All heritage, cool. heritage breeds and stuff like that. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Awesome. Very Support cool. Support the yes. farm movement. I love yeah. that. A yeah. lot of our produce. I mean, Chicago, we've been doing farm to table for a while. It's... And I've been doing it for ten years. I remember. Do you think that it's a trend that's going to stick around? Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's translating into families' homes as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think sure. you know, moms and dads, and they're more more knowledgeable about the farmers and the vegetables and what it all means. So mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you both so much for coming on Sharp and Hot. I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in New York City. Um, I hope that you get to meet William and Catherine, as we talked about earlier. (laughs) Next week on the show, we are going to have mycologist Trad Cotter come on. He's going to talk about mushrooms and go to CharityBuzz.com, search Heritage Radio Network, and bid on one of these five incredible one-of-a-kind culinary experiences. Until next week, everybody, keep playing with fire and knives. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.